this morning we're going to read God's word, uh, two different passages, one from Job, the end of chapter 38, beginning of chapter 39, and then we're going to jump over uh, to, uh, to read together from Acts uh, and, and hear the word uh, as it comes to us about uh, Pentecost. And so uh, first, Job 38, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me there. If not, the words are going to be on the screen behind me uh, as we together uh, read and hear the word of the Lord, beginning in verse uh, 32. All right, uh, let us hear the word of the Lord. Can you bring forth the constellations in their season? By the way, this is God talking to Job. Should have said that earlier. Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the cloud and cover yourself with a flood of water? Can you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? Who gives the ibis wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in the thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time that they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. And then we're going to move over to uh, the book of Acts, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1, hearing about the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, there were, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blow of a violent the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were Staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, these, uh, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then skipping over, uh, we're going to continue in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Brothers and sisters, this is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we do come before you with praise and thanksgiving for this, your word. And we ask, oh God, that you would meet with us now in this space and this time that you would offer your word to us that we might uh, receive from it what you would have us receive. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, oh God, that you would use us to offer grace to the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll tell you a secret uh, if you promise not to tell anyone else. Um, one of my favorite Disney movies is Aladdin. Okay, so now that that's over, uh, I, I need to also confess that since that's one of my favorite Disney movies, uh, I feel uh, kind of broken and off that I haven't seen the new Aladdin yet. Have you seen the new Aladdin yet? Anyone? I think I'm going to go tomorrow uh, on my Sabbath and and uh, experience just uh, personal uh, joy in relishing uh, that new creation. But uh, one of my favorite parts uh, in Aladdin is whenever the genie comes out of the bottle and it has to explain uh, all the power that comes with being genie, right? And uh, the genie says, phenomenal cosmic powers, right? And everything's going nuts and the clouds and everything shakes and he gets really big. And then he says, and living space, right? Like, and then poof down in the lamp. And, and, and so uh, that's an image maybe that we could start with that shows us like, like this grand, broad, vast capacity and uh, also something that's so tiny and small. But, but this is a distorted image uh, for us of God. And, and Job gives us uh, the book of Job gives us uh, clear wisdom on how God is both, both infinitely capable, vast beyond measure, and the grandeur of all of creation screams out to God's glory. The bigness of God is on display when God speaks to Job. But also, also on the other end of the spectrum, God reveals to Job how intricately involved Job is in the minor details of things, the minutiae of things. So, so God's not only about the grand and the big, but he's also about the small and the uh, otherwise unobservable, and it's all present. Now, some of us, we, 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 we think about God in, in these terms, and we can think about the bigness and the smallness of God, and, and, and when we put our minds to that, we think about the bigness and smallness of God as restricted, constricted to uh, the work of creation, that God was involved in all of those really grand things in creation and all of the really small minutiae of creation, uh, but we miss the, the continued activity of God in both those big things and in those small things. And so when we turn to Job, we have a picture of that activity painted for us. You see, uh, Job began 
uh, to hear his friends question God. And there was stirring in Job's soul as to questioning God as well. And then God shows up and offers chapters of, of testimony about God's very own character to Job and for all of us. Uh, if you ever are feeling like you need a little bit of godly smackdown, uh, go read Job 38, 39, 40, and 41. Yeah, yeah, four chapters. R- read it all, start to finish. And at one point, Job even interrupts, and God said, was I talking to you yet? Like, like, like he, 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 he makes sure that, that his point was heard. And so I want us to hear a little bit of that. We only read a small portion. But in it... Uh, we chose a section that articulated both those grand things and those small things. Uh, on, the, on the grand scale, there, uh, th- there's talk of, of clouds and of lightning and of rain. Of clouds, of lightning, and of rain. And, and, and when, when God is talking about clouds, God, God isn't just talking about, I, I created the clouds. God actually says, uh, I, I, I count, I know the number, I count the clouds. Can you imagine that? Have you ever just laid down in your backyard or out in, in, the, in the green grass somewhere or on your trampoline in the backyard and looked up at the clouds and started like trying to figure out uh, what looked like a dinosaur and what looked like a bear and what looked really, really weird? And uh, yeah, so it's constantly changing and constantly moving and the clouds are not a stagnant thing, right? And you even get like the, those those serious clouds that just like right. How do you count those clouds? Those clouds just just seem so beautiful. Are they one? Are they many? God actually articulates. I I, I know the number of clouds, which in my mind's eye is every single second. God has that wisdom. God involved in that activity and and then when talking about lightning he he says you know sends the lightning where it should go and then articulates it even further that it's not just about sending it but then the lightning reports back to god this is where i am the personification of lightning in relationship to god that god sends it and it reports back to to confirm that it did not disobey god it only only went where god said have you ever been in a lightning storm a few weeks ago, uh, there was lightning like, like crazy all over Houston. And if you looked at the, little, uh, at the little screen on your phone from the Weather Channel that just showed the lightning strikes, it was like, right? It was everywhere. That, that God is, is actively engaged in understanding the movement of lightning all over creation. See, God not just, not just, not just created it. Awesome. God created lightning. God created clouds. But that that wasn't it, that he now has a connected understanding of the movement of all of these things in real time. And then, and then finally, it talks about rain. It talks about rain in a couple of different ways. I like the, the way it ends this section when talking about rain. It says, the dirt gets dusty and clods up. You know, like when you look down at the, at the ground and, and it has like the cracks in it. You know, you know the ground's really dry when the ground starts cracking. Uh, uh, it, it's like skin that cracks and it needs some lotion, right? And so God uh, sees the, the cracking ground, the clods that are forming, the dust that is rising, and God can pour out the heavens in rain. 
to offer saturation to the earth. That kind of activity of God in our midst, on the grand scale, in these big, big ways. You know, science has told us a lot about how grand this universe, this galaxy uh, is, uh, and, and, and even just down to the, the scale of the earth itself, that the earth is 93 million miles away from the sun. Uh, and that uh, if the earth was 92 million miles away from the sun or 94 million miles away fr from the sun, there would be no life on earth. That life is uh, made possible because of the intricacies involved in the grandness of creation, 93 million miles away. And, and, and that the earth is tilted at 23.5 degrees on its axis. And, and that that's caused because we have 40% of our gravity in relationship to the sun and 60% of our gravity in relationship to the moon. And when you put all of that together, it allows us to be tilted so that one side of the earth isn't always in sun and one side isn't always in darkness, but it then would rotate uh, that gravitational pull is constantly moving the earth. Those grand details, God's hand and involvement in his creation and also in its sustaining. That's the God we worship, the God of those grand things, but also the God of really small, intimate things. You see, in that passage from Job, it also articulates for us uh, God's involvement in, in, in the minor things. It says, there's this bird, there's this raven. Do you know how the raven gets its food? When the babies are in the nest and they're crying out with hunger pains, how is that food there for the raven? says, uh, it's me. Even in the feeding of the young bird, I am there. And then it goes on to talk about how uh, uh, when, when a deer has a, has, a, has a child, has a doe, then that moment is known by God. Were you there when the labor pains stop, the word says. God is saying, I'm there when the child is born, when the deer is born at every intimate stage of the process, I am present there. What a gift it is to know that, that, that God's activity is involved in the minor details from the feeding of our hunger to the interaction with us, that, 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 that God's presence is there at the point of birth and at the point of those labor pains stopping. So each and every one of us is comprised of uh, millions of cells, hundreds of millions of cells. And when you get down to the cellular level, did you know that in each individual cell, there's, there's, there's DNA that is, uh, that is about six feet long that is squished into a cell? You with me? And, and so, so when you're trying to think about what makes you, you, like, like what makes you, you, it's that DNA strand, that six feet of DNA that is constantly being replicated over and over again into our cells. And so, and so whenever we're talking about you being you, it's the six feet long thing. But if you put 
the six feet DNA code, six foot DNA code, uh, back to back to back from every one of the hundreds of millions of cells in your body, uh, you would then string just your DNA, Doug, your DNA, yours, right? Right? Daryl, your DNA, just yours. You with me? Alan, just your DNA. Y'all with me? Just your DNA stretch from here to the sun and back 400 times. So the you that makes up you would go from here to the sun and back 400 times. That's nuts. I don't look at you, Lauren, and say, you're so much <laughs> that you would go from here to the sun and back 400 times. I got the right word. You like that? So, uh, uh, like, special. You're, you're, you, yeah, but, but that's each and every one of us is that intricately designed down to the most minute detail. And God has been involved in all that. And God knows you. Because it, it says God, God knows the deer when it's born. Of course, God knows you when you're born. And so God's involvement is there from the very beginning of you. All the way until the day when we enter into his heavenly kingdom. And that continues on for eternity. What a gift it is to know that God's in all of that bigness and smallness. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is, is, is why the cross is red. Uh, and so if some of you were like, why is the cross red? It's because it's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is the day uh, in which we as the Christian church celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, that passage from Acts chapter 2. And, 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 it's, and it's unbelievable because the, we as Christians, uh, we, we hear the name Pentecost and, and we, think about, uh, we think about Christian things. We think about the Spirit of God coming upon us, the people of God, but, but it, 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 it didn't start as a Christian term. Actually, when, it's, when it begins in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it's referring to a Jewish tradition and a Jewish holiday. You see, Pentecost was the 50th day after the second day of Passover. Whew, say that twice. 50th day after the second day of Passover, which for us we celebrate uh, seven weeks after Easter. And so in, in that period of time, the, 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 the people of God, the Jewish people, uh, they went back to their, to their homes, and then they all came back for a festival. This is a festival that celebrates a very particular gift to the church, the people of God. They're looking back, and they're celebrating the day in which Moses received the law of the Lord from God on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. So in Exodus chapter 19... The law comes to Moses and is given to God's people. And so the Jewish people continue every year, year after year, to celebrate that gift of the law, the gift of the law, the gift of the law from Exodus 19, the 50th day after the second day of Passover. And, and then we, we hear this is the day when we celebrate the law. This is the day when we celebrate the law. But it doesn't end there because uh, the prophet Jeremiah ha had uh, had a word for the people of God. Uh, 
and, and was trying to communicate what this new reality would look like when, when, when God would, would come and reign in power in a new way. And in Jeremiah 31, verse 33, uh, the word says this, This is the covenant, God says, I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they will be my people. I'll put the law in their minds and write it on their hearts. So Exodus 19, and then moving to Jeremiah 31, and then we arrive in Acts chapter 2, and we see that God is faithful to fulfill his promise. And the Holy Spirit comes and rests on the apostles and then is proclaimed and rests on 3,000 that are converted that day. And when the Spirit comes, the law, the new law of Christ, is written on their hearts and their minds. And they come to know God in a new way. You, you, see, you see, God didn't just like decide, hey, in Acts chapter 2, on this day of Pentecost, I, I, I'm, I'm going to come with my spirit. No, God, God had this grand vision uh, and this way to articulate that vision from generation to generation, from Exodus 19 to Jeremiah 31, all the way to Acts chapter 2, to us still today, that, that the law of God would come on Mount Sinai, would be, pro, uh, would be prophesied to come and reside in our hearts, and then actually would come and rest in each and every one of us as we choose to offer our lives to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see that, that, that grand plan, how God is involved in those big things? And then, of course, we have to see that God wasn't only involved in those grand things, but God also was involved in each and every life, each and every heart, each and every person that he offered his spirit to. And just as he offered it to those 3,000, he offered his spirit to you and to me because God is faithful to honor those promises. That, 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 that God is not only involved in those grand level things, but God is so deeply involved in the small things that God loves you and loves me. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit there for us. It's powerful for us to, to know and understand who God is, that God is three in one, that God is creator, that God is sustainer, that God has come in Jesus, uh, God made flesh in the world, and that God uh, is, is involved in every single aspect of our lives. Those things that we don't even think about because they're so big, and those things that we don't even think about because they're so small, but God is there in it all. Praise God that he has offered us such a tremendous gift of life and love, wisdom in his Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we do give you thanks and praise for your holy word, for the, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, and uh, for the way in which... You have been with us and worked in us and through us uh, throughout our lives. Lord, we ask that you would continue to be present 
with us in this space and this time as we enter into uh, a time of, of celebrating your holy meal, this, uh, this gift of holy communion. Lord, we ask that you would make yourself known to us. Lord, we pray that you would uh, be with us as we continue in worship, as we enter into this time of holy offering, that, uh, that, that each of us would offer a portion of what you have blessed us, given to us, back to the kingdom building work of your church so that you would receive glory, honor, and praise through the ministry that takes place through them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.